When this boy meets girl, this boy meets world. When this girl meets boy, meets boy, meets Hello class, open up your textbooks to Boy Meets Girl Meets Boy Meets World Season 7, Episode 5, Chapter Titled. You light up my union. I'm Alden. I'm Tanya. I'm the boy. I'm the girl. And hello, everybody. Yeah, hi. I didn't have anything else. (laughs) This is our union. It is our union. Our podcast union. Um, anyway, hi. Hi, did you have a question for me today? Um, you've never, have you ever lived with another female? Yeah. I have three sisters. No, 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 no. Not a sister. Yes. How did that go? Uh, not great. Did the stuff that happens in this episode happen? No, not at all. But, I mean, we'll get to what happened in that episode. I was kicked out of my house when I was 17 and I moved in with my best friend who was living with her parents, but like... Her parents granted all of the freedom, so we basically were living just the two of us Mm -hmm. and doing whatever we wanted. And she was wild, and it did not go well. Yeah? Yeah. But have you ever lived with another guy? (laughs) I've lived with lots of people. I've lived with guys and girls that I'm with that I'm not with. Like, um, so yeah, I've lived with a handful of guys. Have you ever been in a similar situation where, like, like you were either a person who lived in an apartment and you felt like your space was being infringed upon, or were you an infringer? Both. We, when I was um, 20, 20, I moved out, got my first apartment with two of my friends, two friends that I really hadn't known very long, like, good guys, and I don't regret that, but... Um, it just went very quickly into, let's all get an apartment together. Uh, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment, three dudes. And, um, Did you have bunk beds? No. We put two beds in the main bedroom. Me and one of the other guys slept in the bedroom. And the other guy slept in the living room. He put his bed in the living room and stapled a bed sheet to the ceiling all around it. So it was like his own little room. Classy. Uh-huh. And, and within... Within uh, three months, uh, I had a girlfriend, and the guy who lived in the living room had a girlfriend, and the guy who lived in my room did not at first. So there was a lot of like, hey, we need the room or whatever. Like, um, why are you, no, you can't go to bed yet. Like, so he was very frustrated with me. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I understand. Right. At the time, I didn't care, but I understand. Um, and it eventually ended up, we all had girlfriends, and it was just a, 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 a volatile mix in our apartment. And, uh, and then, a, then a, so that was six people in this one-bedroom apartment. And then one of our other friends moved into the closet <laughs> and paid $50 a month to sleep in our closet. And it was a, it was a party house, so like a party apartment. Isn't that wild? I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. Like, you get your first apartment. Uh-huh. It always, whoever gets the first apartment in a friend group, 
that's the party place. And it's an apartment. Yeah. And there's people below you. There's people above you. There's people beside you. Like, and how did we all not get arrested we, all the time? I don't understand. We never got in trouble. There were many drugs in that apartment all the time. Um, I, I, I didn't do them, but they were there. And I mean, I would walk out and just see people doing hard drugs in the living room. And often, at least twice a week, there were 15 plus people in that apartment with the music super loud, everyone drinking and doing drugs. And we never had anybody come and complain to us. I don't understand. Yeah, I had a very similar experience when... I got my first apartment and like we were the only people in our friend group that had our own place Mm -hmm. and our son, um, my son was a baby and he would go and stay with his grandparents on the weekends and the whole weekend was a party weekend and the only time we got in trouble was someone spilled a drink on the balcony and it went down and splashed all over the patio door of the people that lived under us. And they were just like, hey, can you come clean this up? And that was it. But like, there were drugs. We were like drunk playing on the playground. And like, it was wild. And I don't know how we did. We had cops that lived in the neighborhood. Yeah. How did we not get in trouble? I don't get it. I mean, I'm sure to an extent there's a privilege factor there. Um, but I but I don't know how no one ever called and complained. Mm-hmm. Like, they just let that happen and weren't upset by it. They weren't upset that every Friday and Saturday and, I don't know, maybe Tuesday night, there was loud music until 2 o'clock in the morning in the apartment upstairs. Like, Yeah, we had, like, huge fights break out in our apartment. Like huge fights that were so loud and nothing ever happened i I will say that like one of the like prerequisites for me being in a friend group is like we're not a violent group oh our group (laughs) was incredibly violent it makes sense so um i was not i right but I know the people that you would hang uh-huh. out with. and uh, But with my group, like, it was all, like, love and drugs and mm-hmm. sex and whatever. Mm-hmm. So there were there was never a single fight there. I didn't move out until, and I don't think I've said this on the podcast. Uh, I'm sorry if I have. But I moved out when one of the guys was selling hard drugs. And my girlfriend was pregnant with my kid. And I wanted to get out anyway, but he came home crying because he owed some dealer so much money that he was afraid he was going to get murdered. And I said, does he know where you live? And he started crying and said, he's sorry. And I said, we have to go. Like, my child is is in danger and she's not even born yet. Right. It's crazy. That's that's where I lived. Trust me. I know. I was in a very similar situation. So, yeah. God, early 20s are crazy. It's so crazy. Like, I was watching this episode thinking like, ugh, how can they be like this? But now I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Super realistic. Um, like, that wasn't even bad. No. 
She threw a uh, chicken bone at his head. Like, that's <laughs> nothing. We almost got murdered. <laughs> anyway, what have you been watching, Tanya? Um, so this week was a big wrap-up week for us. Yeah. Um, we wrapped up Peacemaker. We wrapped up uh, Legend of Vox Machina. Um, and then we did also watch Murderville at the recommendation of a lot of people. Yeah. Um, how'd you feel about Murderville? Why are you asking me first? Why not? Because you don't want to say how you feel. Conversations are a give and take. This and you is a just conversation. Gave, you just, you, you're making it. You you're started a, it with me. I. You're just making it. Throwing it, it back to you, Walden. All right. So here, um, it's not a bad show. I didn't hate it. I did like it. I liked it a lot. But the problem is, is I went into it with huge expectations and it didn't hit what I wanted it to hit. Um, I, my main problem with it um and really like a major problem that i had with it is that the the premise of the show is to have these people improv and be you know thinking on their feet and it seemed like 95 percent of the time they would just get talked over by the people who knew what was going on in the show and then there wasn't any like give and take as far as improv goes so we didn't get to really see them adapt to a scenario i mean it kumal uh, nanjiani was hilarious but he had to push to get his uh words in um sharon stone was also hilarious because she did not give a fuck she was like i'm sharon stone you're not gonna talk over me and nobody did um but like, and that everyone else, it really seemed like there was well, except Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch was fantastic. He stole the show. Yeah, I didn't hear enough people talking about his episode. It was always Kamel Nanjiani's. Nobody was talking about Sharon Stone's episode. Yeah, and to the point where I didn't even know there was a Sharon Stone episode. And before this episode, I could not have given two shits about Sharon yeah, Stone. Yeah, same. And now I'm like, do I love her? I think I love her because she was so good. And it wasn't that she was like too serious either. She was funny. Right. But she yeah. had such a commanding presence that fucking Will Arnett could not yell over her. Well, and that's where Tanya's uh, immediate reaction comes in, right? Like you went into it like, I don't like Will Arnett. I So I had trepidation because I do not like Will Arnett. Mm -hmm. And and we've tried different things, like really popular shows where he is in it and I can't do it. Like BoJack Horseman, like everyone's like best show ever. And like we're watching and I'm like, I can't, I don't, I can't. This one though, I was like, look at the guest stars. I love Annie Murphy. I, Camille Nanjiani might be my, one of my favorite actors mm -hmm. of like this generation yeah um and i really do like conan o'brien too a lot he's, yeah he's likable um so i was like the guests are going to outweigh stupid fucking will arnett the problem is <laughs> he does not shut up and i get it he has a script that he's supposed to stick to but like in particular Camille Nanjiani's episode, every time he started to talk, 
Will Arnett started yelling over him and all he could do was just start laughing. Luckily, he has a delightful giggle and it was great. But, oh, he's just so annoying. Yeah, I, so I don't dislike Will Arnett at all. I, I don't particularly have any fondness towards him either. I, but um, it, it really bothered me the way he was always talking over the guest. Right. And a lot of people just like and thought it was funny and kind of just like laughed it off or whatever. But... Annie Murphy's episode started and I was like, oh, she's not giving anything. Oh, no, I know she can be funny. I know she can improv like she's a very funny person. What is happening? And then I realized she was looking at him the way I was also looking at him. And she was just like, I'm not I'm not doing this. Like to the point where in her episode, they're in like a classroom situation and the teacher in the classroom situation tells him to go sit in the corner and like there was like a look of relief on Annie Murphy's face like yeah. a genuine one not just like a I'm acting like this right um which it ended up being like a really good episode to me because when she wasn't in a room with him she was great mm. um yeah anyway I love murder mysteries right the other problem with it though was the clues. There should have been more clues, like maybe some that were obvious and a couple that were a little bit more obscure. And then not almost all the suspects have the same clues that applied to them. Mm -hmm. In Kamal's, it was literally one person couldn't have been the the suspect, like couldn't have done it. So I don't know. I think... I feel like I would watch a second season, but I don't know. I would absolutely watch a second season. I really liked the show. Like, that was a lot of negative. I think my negative comes from a place where, like, I was expecting so much, Mm -hmm. and it didn't do what I thought it was going to do, which is the improv stuff. I love improv, and it just didn't really hit at the same level that I was hoping it would. It did give me Sharon Stone love. Exactly. Um, Yeah, it was an enjoyable watch, but... Well, and it was quick, too, which was something that was nice for the evening, where it was like, oh, we're done. And it was a pleasant evening. Yeah. Um, Before we move on, as far as the media session goes, uh, section, not session, but I watched something that I want to bring up and I uh, want to recommend, but I want to also point out that the subject of it, I oh God. I hate him. Is it Kanye's thing? Yes. Ugh, why did you watch that? Because early days of Kanye West were amazing. His and and that's that's part of what watching this. So this documentary was was shot by a guy, um, Cootie, who is who is well known in that kind of. Uh, he he did a lot of um, hip hop TV and stuff like that, um, and he decided at a at a early point to follow Kanye West around and just document him trying to get a record deal. So it's really like watching this struggle for this kid and the the it is fascinating to watch. I I I had to keep trying to like reconcile with myself because right now at this point Kanye West is a piece of shit. He's an he's a, an emotional abuser. We're watching him emotionally abuse a, his ex-wife, and people are laughing about it because she's not liked. 
which is doesn't make it okay. Like people are like, well, she sucks too. It doesn't matter. You still don't get to emotionally abuse them. Uh, but anyway, I had to reconcile while I was watching it because this period was so huge and instrumental. Uh, his first two of his first three albums are are some of the best albums ever made. Um, and watching his his thought process and watching him interact with his mom is is so interesting. Uh, I just had to through the whole thing, I'd had to keep telling myself like, it's so sad that this kid does not exist anymore. Like to me, this kid is dead and there's a new guy in his body, but it is a good watch. Like it's super interesting. And it's really interesting to see this kind of like struggle to make it in a business. That's very hard to make it in, but, but Kanye West sucks. So yeah. And I hope, He's not getting any kind of royalties He's from not. this because, like, the thing that I always have trouble with is once you find out that someone is corrupt, someone is toxic, someone is harmful to people, do you still enjoy their art? Do you still, like, and you have to kind of parse out, right? is this going to go to supporting them now? Like, there is a point at which, like, you know, one person doesn't necessarily make a difference. But taking an ethical stand mm-hmm. and saying, like, I don't need to fill my brain with things about this person that is bad. Right. Um, it it does make a difference because right. it. the more you ingest things by toxic people, whether you like it or not your brain does not have the capacity to filter it all out so it's there and we saw it you know early m&m days where like all of a sudden all of these like teenage kids were basically um thought it was funny to talk about abuse of women mm-hmm. and their girlfriends mm-hmm. and all of this stuff or like their moms and it it just wasn't possible to just listen and think it had like a good beat or whatever right the toxicity was not completely filtering out right so that's because like i have liked kanye's music before mm-hmm. um and honestly i did listen to jesus is king because i was interested to hear how it was well and, and that was early in the kanye's going crazy stage uh there was stuff before that that was early in the kanye's going abusively crazy stage right he was a, an eccentric asshole before that but that was like it, it took a turn after that right um but i understand exactly what you're saying and i really struggled with whether or not i wanted to watch this um but i think going into it I had to kind of shut that switch in my head where I said, this is a different person. I'm, I'm not supporting the current person Mm -hmm. and he's not getting the royalties for it. This, this documentary was basically, he, he allowed access into his life at a young age and then he kicked this guy out of his life. Mm -hmm. And this guy has had all this footage for all these years and is just now compiling it and putting into this documentary. And um, it's just so weird to me that it's released now 
Um, yeah. And and I do think that there might be a little bit of a problem with seeing early Kanye and kind of, you know, it's it's hard not to develop a little bit of empathy and a little bit of sympathy and a little bit of compassion for someone when you watch what they used to be like and when you, you know, some people could relate to his struggle. Yeah, and that's, that's so I worry about that too because I, I, I will not take that with me. You know, like I got off the documentary and I went on Twitter Twitter, and I saw somebody post about the latest thing that he'd done with his ex-wife. And I was like, fuck that guy, you know, but I understand that there's definitely going to be people who watch this who are like, oh, see, like he's a good person. Right. Like maybe the media is just spinning this so right. that he's bad or like he's just going through stuff or whatever. And I... I see that in like fictional media all the time where they give a backstory to a villain. And I'm like, I don't want this backstory. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to feel any kind of compassion for these people. Like, so I don't know. I, it's the same reason why, while I am interested in like true crime storytelling, I don't listen to podcasts about it and Mm -hmm. I don't watch documentaries about it because there's a level of glorifying the killers. Exactly. And being like, Oh, but like this happened to them when they were a kid and like this happened and this happened. And it's like, this person ate people. Like they took people from running paths and ate them. Like, I just, I don't want to feel any kind of empathy or compassion or comparison with evil, I guess. Right. No, I get it. But I still recommend that documentary, uh, <laughs> at least for now. It's three episodes, and the first one is out. The second one's not out yet. Uh, I am worried about what kind of tone it's going to take in the second and third episode. But the first episode was so huge for me. And I went back and listened to that first album. And I was like, God, like, I'm so sad that this is tainted for me now. Because it really... But then you went back and listened to the album, which he does get royalties for. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, so that's... It's just, but it's the same as, like, streaming a Harry Potter movie. And you're like, she's going to get royalties for it. It's not going to be much. Like, it's 0.001 cent. But, yeah, I, I understand. But I did just kind of want to put my mind there because I haven't listened to that album in, you know, five or six years. Mm-hmm. Because I can't. So I went back and I listened to it and I was like, this is so bittersweet. Like, it's so sad that I can't just enjoy this album, which without without any of the antics surrounding him, this album is probably a top ten album of all all time um and it's just ruined now right i would never put it on my top 10 albums list right now but anyway i do think it's really interesting though how you know a lot of people talk about how like social media is too personal and like everyone feels like they're just like one degree separated from you know all of these celebrities and stuff like that and how it's very damaging and we think we know about people but before social media, all we had was tabloids. All yeah. we had was e-entertainment television. They were like, oh my goodness, what happened with this person? It was like a half an hour on TV during right. the day. And, and they could not even remotely begin to touch the surface of what these people were like in real life. Right. And so like we idolized people and we were fans of people who ended up being awful. Yeah. And... Um, now 
all it takes is getting on Twitter, getting yeah. on a- anything, really. A TikTok is great because there will be people who used to be, you know, handlers of celebrities where they're like, no, this is not, this is not a ploy for attention. Like, this person who tweeted this out is 100% speaking the truth. Like, this is what happened. This is my story. It compares to this story. So it's really interesting that, you know, there's like a veil lifted on a lot of toxicity within the celebrity realm. And I mean, no one's perfect. And I think that there's a lot of celebrities that um, they're like just teetering on fine. Right. (laughs) Um, But they're not actively harming people um, or actively talking about harming people. Right. Um, But the ones who are kind of get, like shouted out a lot sooner now and i i kind of like that yeah but anyway i i this is fascinating to me and i would love to do an hour talking about this situation <laughs> uh but we've already talked for 25 minutes and we haven't even mentioned that you know what else we watched what did we watch boy meets world season seven episode five chapter titled you light up my union and uh, we'll probably have to get through this a little bit quicker than normal i think that's doable um and then get to our thoughts on it so uh, where do we start? Classroom or not, Tanya? Uh, you didn't even ask me to blurb, so... Oh, God, I said we're going fast. I didn't mean that fast, but let's do it. Blurb me up, Tanya. All right, the blurb for this episode is Mr. Feeney secures jobs at the student union for Jack and Eric. What a tongue twister. I know. I don't know why that was a tongue twister for me. No, there were a lot of like... This episode was directed by Kevin Tracy, and it was written by Allison M. Gibson. And how'd they do? Do we start? In the classroom, Tanya. We do not. We start in the apartment. Bad job, Also, one of the things that I noticed for some reason is, you know, the opening credit scene, they are at the apartment. Like, everybody's just there all the time. Mm -hmm. And, like, Jack and Eric are never there anymore. Yeah. Well, who's there? Because it's the girls' apartment now. Well, the girls are there. It's Rachel. And Topanga and Angela, and they're about to watch a movie. All very excited that it's girls' night, no boys allowed. What that... movies did Rachel rent? Yeah, what did she rent? <laughs> she rented Terms of Endearment, Little Women, and Ever After. All, I believe, I've heard are good movies. I haven't seen Terms of Endearment in a very long time. I have no idea if I remember whether it was a good movie or not, but Little Women and Ever After are top-notch. But... They are all excited. They sit down on the couch to watch these movies or to watch a movie that are in Blockbuster boxes, by the way. That was fantastic to see. I miss the days of Blockbuster. I do, too. Um, We have too many (laughs) options now. Anyway, uh, there's a knock at the door. It's the boys. It's Corey and Sean. And a pizza. And a pizza. A pizza that does not look big enough for five people. uh, Well, maybe they weren't planning on letting anyone else have any. That sounds like them. It sounds like them. Uh, Rachel is obviously from the get-go annoyed that they're there, but Angela and Topanga are super happy and like, yay! Yeah, and Corey and Sean immediately like sit down and like start like making out and they bump Rachel off of the couch. Like she falls on the floor. Um, and Topanga starts like chewing on Corey's (laughs) ear, like gnawing on it. Hi, welcome. Let me eat your ear and um then they turn and rachel's like giving them a look and they're like what and she's like it's supposed to be our girls night we're watching a movie and Corey grabs the movies and goes what three movies do we have and he names off some like 
He's like, this shoe or that shoe, like estrogen party or something like that. And it's just all very misogynistic yeah, things he, that he's saying. And he looks at her and he goes, uh, no. And, and Sean goes, oh, they must not realize that there's a J- uh, Jennifer Lopez. She wasn't J-Lo yet, I guess. I guess. A Jennifer Lopez versus Carmen Electra uh, celebrity death match in Pudding on ponies i do love celebrity deathmatch i i do too um but i would much rather watch little women or ever after and rachel's basically had enough and stands up and says this is supposed to be girls night and Corey goes no now it's booty night and uh and topanga and Angela are just sitting there like, oh, this is so cool. They're like giddy with excitement over this, over them being an asshole to Rachel. Yeah. And breaking up the girls' night that the girls said they were excited about. Anyway, next scene, we go to the... Chuckies. Uh, Chuckies. The Chuckies store. Mm-hmm. Uh, the student union. Jack is very excited and thanking Mr. Feeney for getting him a job at the student union he's as a the, manager. He's a store manager at the student union and... Mr. Feeney's just, like, going through all the clothes. It's, like, the area where they have all of the, like, college merchandise. And he's, like, going through all the clothes. And he's, like, well, you know, like, things are going to get hard. And and you need to have this kind of stuff uh, as a responsibility. And, and he's just like, yeah, this is going to look great on my resume. Yeah, he says this is your last year of college, which I think we're playing some games with the math again. I It could it could very well be Jack's last year in college. He just did a three-year stint? He could have gone to a community college before he went there. That's true. Remember, Eric took a year off. Yeah, that's true. Good and did, point. So. But... Feeney is like... But they're graduating at the same time. <laughs> Feeney is like, um, I just, I wanted you to, I wanted you guys to be able to learn something from this experience. And Jack is like, oh, you want me to rub off on Eric. I get it. And Feeney is like, uh, I wanted you both to learn something. And Jack, like, points over to Eric and he's like, yeah, I really need to rub off on him because he's doing a terrible job he's basically like he'll never learn anything and eric is like bouncing through the student union like he's just like hey how are you and like filling people's cups with whipped cream after they finish their whipped cream on their hot chocolate and he goes over to this girl who's sitting on the hearth and he's just like Hey, you, get over here. You guys come in here every day and you stare at around each, each other. other. Yeah. And he sits her at this table with this guy and she's, he's just like, look him in the eye. He's a good looking guy. Just look at him in the eye. Look at that smile. Oh, look at her smile. And then he's just like, I want to be invited and walks away. No, he doesn't walk away. He reaches down and puts whipped cream on the guy's oh, yeah. book. <laughs> in like a huge mouth. And then he goes... <laughs> Do something with that. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. Um, But anyway, uh, Eric walks over to the counter and Mr. Feeney is holding up a a sweatshirt and he tries to get, he tries to get Eric's opinion and Eric is like, oh, look at you, Mr. Feeney. That's a great, look at that penguin. Oh, the new Mrs. Feeney wouldn't be able to, you'd have to hose her off if you wore that around her. And Mr. Feeney's like... Really? I mean, he is a very masculine penguin. Uh, And then Jack walks over to him and he's like, 
hey, I need you to take the bank deposit to the bank. And Eric is excited and goes to grab it. And Jack is like, wait, 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 wait. Go to the bank, deposit the money, come back. Meanwhile, Eric has opened the bag and started pulling the cash out, which is when Jack is like, no, 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 give that back to me. I can't trust you to do this. Right. And Jack and Eric is like, no, no, I can do it. Like, and Jack is like, you're going to go to the bank, make the deposit and come right back. And Eric's like, yeah. He's like, you need to repeat after me. And so he does. And he keeps saying it. And Jack is like, keep saying it. Keep saying it. And he walks out saying it. And he's like, go to the bank, make the deposit come back and then it cuts to him in the bank and he goes take mom to see frank clean my closet take a nap how'd i get here (laughs) um but he's standing in line at the bank and there's a guy in front he's pulled all of the money out of the deposit bag uh, so everyone can see him walking in with this money and there's a guy standing there with a monkey he's an organ grinder and eric is like I'm here just I'm here to to deposit these 1700 smackerinos. And the guy is like, "Oh, oh. Look, look Eric. This is look at this man. He's Little Eric. Yeah, he's named the monkey Little Eric because Eric has his name tag on and Eric's like, oh, "He has my name." And the guy basically gives him a sob story about how like we need to I need money to to pay for uh, Isabella. Isabella, to, his girlfriend, to come overseas and be no, with him. No, she's in Mil- Milwaukee. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Well, okay. And... that's it, It's all set up so that we know it's a grift. Right. Okay. And Eric is like, how much is that going to cost? And he goes, oh, about 1,700 smackerinos. And... Eric is just like, whoa, that's exactly what I have. He's like, oh, really? And Eric gives him the money. Hands him the money and then says, you're good for this, right? And the guy says, you have my word. And he asks where he can find him. Uh huh. And Eric says, student union. My name is Eric Matthews. I'm the assistant manager there. <laughs> and then the guy has little Eric do a dance of happiness. And Eric is like... <gasps> He does my happy dance. And Eric starts doing the same dance at the same time. And everyone in the bank is watching it with gleeful expressions on their faces. Yeah. And then we cut back to the girls' apartment. Uh, But we don't see the girls. No, no girls in sight. It's just Sean and Corey sitting at the little island table just chowing down on so much food. Covered the table in food. A giant, like, ham and a roast beef and, like, tubs of food that they're just loudly eating and rachel comes out and she's like they say the worst thing ever they're like you know what's great about girls they can never finish a meal in public they don't want people to watch them eat so they bring it back here yeah that was awful um rachel comes out though in a towel screams screams and says why are you here i wasn't expecting to see you here and they're like uh we're eating we got a key and she's like how did you get a key and he says topanga gave it to me and she's upset, and they're like... Are-? But she calms down, uh-huh. and she's like, you know what? That's fine. Like, you're fine. They had they had initially started putting stuff away. Yeah, because they saw that she was upset. And they start putting everything away, and she's like, it's fine. I understand. Like, I need to understand that you're their boyfriends, and you're going to be around, and that's okay. And they're like, oh, really? 
oh, good. And Sean goes, then I need you to get me some of that horseradish sauce, the red stuff, and mac and cheese. Uh, he said rug rugrats. Rugrats or dinosaurs? Well, he says rugrats, not the dinosaurs. Oh, okay. Rugrats. And now I want rugrats mac and cheese because the shaped mac and cheese is so much better than just the, like, elbow macaroni mac and cheese. I'll go get you shaped mac and cheese right now. Well. I don't actually want it. Not right now. Um, after they start demanding food, now Rachel's mad again and kicks them out, tells them they need to leave. Well, no. So they said, we actually left you a note. Oh, yeah. It's that's in your right. underwear drawer. And Rachel's like, you were in my underwear drawer? And they're like, yeah. What do you wear that little purple number for? And um, then they were like, well, you know, is it for that guy in your diary? Because... And, like, Sean, like, bites his knuckles. And she's like, you were in my underwear drawer and you read my diary. Yeah. And Sean's like, oh, yeah, you've been a bad girl. It was so uncomfortable. It was so bad. And then they, then she gets mad and tells him they need to leave. She's um, still just in her towel, by the way. And she takes Corey's key out of his hand. Yeah, she's still in her towel. Like, they super glued that thing on. Yeah, I, I have trouble keeping my towel on from the bathroom to the bedroom. I don't know how she was easily like yelling and throwing things while her towel was still on yeah but uh she goes to kick them out and angela and topanga are coming in and And that's when rachel throws a turkey leg (laughs) at the back of the boy's head and hits Corey directly in the back of the head it was such a good throw i hope i hope that she actually was the one to throw that yes it it didn't like there was no cut she threw it well, I mean, you're seeing her, the uh-huh. camera's facing her, mm-hmm. and then it turns to where you see it hit. I'm pretty sure we saw her throw it. I think so, but... I I've... really hope so. <laughs> anyway, Angela and Topanga are coming in. They're upset that the boys are being kicked out, and Rachel is just like, uh, they went in my underwear drawer. And they read my diary, and Corey... And Sean are both like, no, we didn't do that. No, we didn't do do that. that. And Angela's like, Sean, did you do that? Topanga says, Corey, did you do that? Well, and he says, no. Oh, right. And then Angela says, Sean, did you do that? And Sean's just like, I have a problem. Well, because Corey says, he made me do it. And Sean says, my name is Sean and I have a problem. And they start, like, pouting, and the girls are like, Oh, look how cute they are when they feel bad, Rachel. Look how cute they are. You can't be mad at them. And... Yes, Rachel, you can. Yes. And uh, they're like, you know what? We're just like a big family. They're our boyfriends. We're going to be married soon. And Rachel's like, oh, you know what? You're right. We are a big family. Okay. And they're just like, really? Can Corey have his key back? And she's like, sure. Gives Corey the key back. Yep. Now we go back to Chucky's. We're back at Chucky's. Um, Jack is at the counter. Eric walks in with the like leather deposit pouch in his hand. And Jack is just like, hey, can I have the receipts? And Eric's like, no, I don't have them. And Jack is like, why? And Eric says, I gave it to somebody who needed it. Jack says, who? And Eric says, a monkey. 
And Jack gets upset, and Eric's like, wait, 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 wait. It wasn't for the monkey. It was for the monkey's girlfriend. Don't you feel bad now? So Jack gets really angry, and he basically starts to tell Eric, you know, you have to um, grow grow up. up." He says, you need to grow up, man. And um, the world is awful. It's cold and cruel, and it's going to eat you up and you have no one to fall back on once you get out of college we're graduating this year and you aren't gonna have Feeny or your parents or me to clean up your messes for you yeah and then eric immediately like gets a complex about it and um i think we cut to later on at chucky's but Mm -hmm. it's still like whatever eric walks over to the couple that he had gotten together the cute couple and uh just gets mad at them and he's like hey Go to your car. No kissing in here. Take it outside. Go to your car. And then he storms over to the the counter. And Corey and Sean come in and Corey is like, two hot chocolates, please. And Eric is like, it's four dollars. And Corey's like, I think you forgot about the brotherly discount of free. And Eric's like, four dollars. And Corey's like, I'm going to tell mom. And they leave. Um, and then Eric looks over and Mr. Feeney is reading a book. And Mr. Feeney's just like, come on, Grisham, get to the point already. And Eric's like, hey, you, book guy, does this look like a library to you? And then he goes, hmm, no. And uh, he's like, you have to pay for that. And he's like, that'll be fourteen twenty. And it was a hardback book. Yeah, Tanya was like, fourteen. 14- 20 for a hardback book that's not right (laughs) book nerd shut up and feeney pays it and he walks over to jack and goes what did you do to him and jack says i talked to him and i told him to be more responsible well and he goes hey eric what are these boxes doing here on the floor they need to be in the stock room now and eric comes over and picks up like all three huge boxes at one time and like rushes them out he's like okay boss and Mr. Feeney's like, it doesn't seem like this is working. And Jack is like, what do you mean? This is great. And it pans out all around the around the student union because it's not a fun place right now. It is not Chucky's. It is the student <laughs> union. Everybody's miserable. They're quiet. They look like they're about to fall asleep. And Mr. Feeney is like, this place gives me the willies. And then we cut to the bank again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought it was like a dream or something because the way everything was like playing out but jack is in there with the deposit himself and he's just like i just gotta deposit this how hard can it be and there is a guy talking to a lady who's crying and he's like i know you're two payments behind but you have to pay you need to pay and then he's like well she says she's she's making a case for herself and she's like look i know i'm two months behind but if you take the car i can't go to work to pay for this and i can't drive my daughter to school like i need i need this car can't you just give i will pay and he's like okay all right i understand you have to pay on time this month like you have to but you can keep the car until you pay on time this month and there's a, an executive guy a manager standing behind him and he's like uh uh uh, uh she needs to pay now and he's like Eric's well, watching this whole thing from the Jack line. Is watching oh, it. sorry. And um, the guy, the guy at the desk is like, she she gave me her word she'll pay next month. And the guy goes, how much is her word worth? Zilch, nothing. Um, and he's like, 
if you don't pay it now. And Jack walks over and opens the deposit bag and hands her the money. And he's like, you need this more than I do. Jack, it's not yours. You don't need it. It's the store's. Well, apparently, you can work it <laughs> off. I don't know. Yeah, it was crazy. Both of them have have uh, basically stolen enough money that they can get felonies at this point. Right. Um, but anyway, he gives the lady money, and the guy, the, the manager is upset about it. Yeah, he's like, this is all your fault to the guy sitting behind the desk. Yeah. Anyway. Because banks are corrupt, and that's how it is. Like banks, well, banks yeah. don't actually want to help people. They want to put people in debt. And what they do is, you put your money in it, and the bank uses it for a million other things. Um, and then you also end up paying like overdraft fees and stuff like that. So the bank makes a lot of money. Yeah, no, I get it. The banks are banks are evil. Yeah, I uh, hate them. But anyway, now we go to the apartment again. Um, Corey and Sean are there again, kissing with Angela and Topanga on the couch. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, Rachel's, Rachel's in there alone, though. Shouldn't we, like, invite her out or, or hang out with Rachel? And uh, Topanga's like, they, she said we're like family. It's not a big deal. And Corey's like, well, in that case, let's get back to kissing. And then Rachel comes out of her room. She's wearing... Purple satin shorts and a purple satin tank top. Tiny. It's well, not that tiny. It's tiny like, enough where you can see your butt cheek. Barely. Like well, for sure. But it's it, it's not scandalous by mm, any stretch of the imagination. No. Um, but she comes down and she it like bounces down the stairs and the guys immediately start like drooling and the girls are like, What the heck? And um Rachel's just like, I'm just going to put some music on. She puts on some, like, smooth jazz. And she starts, like, wiggling over to the dishes and starts, like, dancing while she's, like, wiping the dishes down. And the girls are like, what are you doing? the guys are, like, moaning. Yeah. And, again, like, biting their knuckles and biting their lips. Yeah. And the girls are like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm doing the dishes, obviously. And the guys are just like entranced and the girls basically like hit them upside the head and say rachel shouldn't you like be wearing more aren't you cold yeah and rachel's like no i feel great and they're like well you know you're drawing a lot of attention or something and rachel's like no look look we're one big family in fact you got room for me on the couch and she basically bounces topanga and angela off the couch and sits in between the boys and the boys are very happy about it. Yeah. And at that point, I mean, the boy, the boy is, to be fair, being super gross. Like, this is a problem. But anyway, um, they can't stop looking at her. Angela and Topanga grab them and kick them out of the apartment. And uh, take Corey's key again. Mm-hmm. And she, the girls are like, Rachel, how could you do this? And Rachel goes, oh, so it's okay if they see my underwear, but not when it's on me, huh? Good point, Rachel. Yeah. And Topanga and Angela feel stupid. As they absolutely should. Yes. Yes. This apartment that wasn't theirs ever, and Mm -hmm. now just they live in and decided to take over. Um, And the girls are like... 
you know what? You're right. It's not your fault. They were being pigs. And, and then she says, then Topanga's like, so that, can they come back in now? No, Topanga says, like, I'm sure you taught them a lesson. They're going to be thinking about this the whole way home. And then it cuts to outside of the apartment. And now Corey is like looking through the people backwards. Which you can't. Which you can't do. And he's like, she's, she, I just, I need to see her in more of that. Other. And Sean is like mad at him and trying to pull him aside. and So that he can look. And then Sean goes like, you know what, Corey, we're being pigs. And Corey's like, you're right. And walks away. And then Sean like pushes himself up against the door. As if the girls can't hear them through the door? Yeah, it was... All right. And then we go back to Chucky's, or mm-hmm. I guess the student union, because everyone's sad. Yep. Uh, Eric is yelling at another couple, and he's like, No! It's sweet and low. Split it in half. You get sweet, you get low. And uh, <laughs> the guy the guy portion of the couple had gone up to the little stand that has, like, coffee stirs and stuff on it. And he's about to grab a coffee stir, and Eric rips it out of his hand. He's like... Use the same one. Mm-hmm. So Jack walks up to to Eric, right, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Hey, what? You know what? I I, you know what happened to the guy that was so friendly and got everybody talking?" And Eric is just like, "Hey, can you give me the receipts? I'll put them in the register." And Jack is like, "Actually, I can't." And Eric's like, "Why?" And Jack is like, "Because I gave it to someone who needed it more, and I'll be working day and night to earn it back." <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess he's assuming he'll be able to make enough in his paycheck and then just pay it back? To not, yeah. You know, like deposits work. Like if you didn't make the deposit, you're screwed. Okay, can I tell a little story? Oh, sure. So back when I was with my first husband, we lived with his parents and his mother worked for a retail store And that retail store had, you know, a safe and they were only required to make deposits twice a week. And my in-laws at the time were overspenders. They spent way more than they made. And in order to pay bills, she would take that money, pay that money. And then when she got paid, she would put it in the deposit. Wow. So it is possible to do this. Wow. Okay. Well, I I worked at a job where uh, I was the manager, and one night a deposit didn't get made, and I pulled it out of the safe that morning and set it on my desk, and then something happened, and I got tied up with something else, and four or five hours later when I went back to it, I realized it was gone. I only worked with two people. I still almost got fired because... I didn't deposit the the deposit. Yeah, I do think that there are different stores that are a little bit... uh, It it really... It honestly depends on how often they expect the deposits to be made. Um, I would never do anything like that, but I know that it can be done. I also know that depending on the deposit amount, if one goes missing, like if they'll just... The district manager will be like, okay, we're going to put this in as a bank glitch... But please make sure you are like logging everything and make sure everything is okay. Yeah. My deposit was only like 500 bucks and I almost lost my job. And there were only two people working with me. So it had to be one of them. But mm-hmm. they both said they didn't do it. So anyway, um, Jack is talking to Eric about it. And he's like, listen, I, you, I don't want you to be like this. I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to be part of my world. I want you to be Eric. And then he like turns around and Feeney is just staring at him 
with a smug look on his face. And Jack is like, you knew. And Mr. Feeney starts talking about the fact that, like, he wanted them to rub off on each other, that that there will always be a need for, you know, Jack's authority and Jack's organizational skills. But there will also always be a need for kindness and a, and a good heart. And that if, you know, Eric had rubbed off on Jack and Jack had rubbed off on Eric, they will be fine on their own without each other. But that both of those components are incredibly important. Yeah. And... After that, Eric turns around and little Eric starts walking into Chucky's. And jumps on his shoulder. Jumps on his shoulder. And Eric's just like, little Eric, what are you doing here? And the organ grinder comes in and Eric's just like, you, you're here. And the organ grinder is like, it's not just little Eric. Here's the star, Isabella. And his girlfriend runs in. And um, Eric's like, I can't believe that you came back. And the organ grinder's just like, yeah, I gave you my word. And here's the envelope with the money that you lent me. So Eric's faith in humanity is restored. um, And everyone is shocked that he got that money back, including everyone watching because they absolutely set it up to look like a grift. Yeah. Um, And even it, but that's my thing. Like, even if it wasn't a grift, you can't do that. No, you can't. But... Um, Anyway, there isn't a post-credit scene then, so that's yeah, it. Yeah, I felt like that was the post-credit scene, but they couldn't make it the post-credit scene because luckily that storyline was the A-plot. Yep. And usually the after-credit scene is somewhat B-plot related. All right. Tanya. Yep. How'd you feel about this episode? A-plot, A-plus. Mm-hmm. B-plot made sense, was not enjoyable. Yeah. But overall... I was relieved to really like this episode. Mm. Um, It was Eric-centric, and I loved that. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved the fact that, again, Mr. Feeney is saying, like, this is a part of Eric that has so much value. Like, look what he can do if he uses this good heart of his. And, like, what you do, Jack, also has value, put those things together, I think it's so important. And and I worked in retail for so many years, and it really is incredibly important to be super friendly and, yeah. and not fake friendly. Like, if you put your heart, and this sounds ridiculous because a lot of people think it's just retail, but there is a difference that is made in people's days when they walk into a store and they are treated as friends instead of just people who are shopping. Yeah. Um, and I will always think that that's incredibly important. So I loved that plot. And as ridiculous as it seems that this money was just being given away and it wasn't their money, it was the college's money. Uh, fuck colleges. They make too much money anyway. Yeah, but you still can't do that. I understand. (laughs) I'm not. But the woman was about to lose her car. I don't feel bad for the college. Isabella couldn't get from Milwaukee. I don't feel bad for the college. But you can't take money. (laughs) That's not how the world works. I know. I said as far-fetched as it was. (laughs) But also, another thing is Feeney was watching all this play out. Like, it was his, like, brainchild. Like, Mm -hmm. he was the manipulator uh, uh, 
dangling the puppets. Somehow he teaches every course in the college and has time to run the student union. But he is married to the dean of the college. Right, so, so it's fine. So when they get in trouble and uh, Jack says, oh, well, you know, Feeney was just trying to teach us a lesson. Now, <laughs> Feeney has to try to explain to his wife why he let this play out. Yeah, it's way easier than if it wasn't his wife. No. Now he's ruining his marriage at the same it's time. It's still a new marriage. They'll be fine. Yeah. Anyway, um, the B-plot, I hate watching men act this way. Yeah. Was it somewhat realistic? Kind of. Like, it wasn't completely unrealistic. Like, it was over the top the way it was done. But guys do act like that. Like, just a little bit more subdued. Like, the amount of people... And, like, I'm not even, like... I'm not even close to Rachel Hot. And there have been times in my life where, like, my friends were upset with me because of the way that their boyfriends were looking at me. Mm -hmm. So it happens to everybody. Um, What I really didn't understand was why all of a sudden Topanga is dressing like a 90s school teacher. I don't know. It was so strange to me. All of a sudden, like, she's wearing, like, these weird, like, baggy button-up, like, straight-cut shirts with, like below-the-knee-length skirts. I don't know. It was very strange to me that she's dressing incredibly matronly. Like, there's no style to it whatsoever. Like, what is going on? But um, I thought Rachel was incredible, though. Mm. And I think that there was a really good lesson to be learned. But also, I was really hoping that Rachel was going to throw the girls out. Mm, Sure. I was waiting and waiting for that to happen because I didn't remember what happened at the end of this episode. She did not throw them out. She should have thrown them out. But all in all, for this season, I liked this episode. How'd you feel about this episode, Alden? I I enjoyed the episode a lot. Um, I think it was really funny. Um, I really, I agree. I had a hard time watching Corey and Sean act like that. It's, It's not, it wasn't incredibly out of character, but it was over and above, like, uh, um, I guess the line between inappropriate and super gross. Mm-hmm. Like um, they were being super gross about everything. Um, and it didn't seem, I don't know, like the having the crowd laugh at these things that they're saying where it was, I didn't or like woo. that. Yeah. Um, but like you said, like it's, it's such a believable situation uh, they didn't need to write it the way they did. They didn't have to have Corey and Sean acting like that. They still could have had Rachel be upset about it. Mm-hmm. And it would have been like this whole thing playing out, and it would have been interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they could have just had the boys went in the underwear drawer to, you know, look for something. And now Rachel's upset. And, like, they could have done all that without all of the grossness. Right. Um the Jack and Eric stuff, the A-plot, was fantastic and funny. I just wish it didn't seem to point to, yeah, just steal money. Just steal money sometimes. It's, uh, a, it's okay. There's an entire famous story based on this perspective. Robin Hood 
All Eric and Jack did was Robin Hood the situation. Yeah, that's a story. And Robin so Hood... So is this. <laughs> Robin Hood couldn't get fired from his job. Uh, he was being pursued by the sheriff exactly. all the time. Yes. And the sheriff was a lion. Robin Hood says... <laughs> no, the sheriff was not no, a lion. No, the king was a lion. <laughs> was the snake a the sheriff? Yes. Oh, I need to watch Robin Hood. I need to watch it too. Don't whistle into the mic. You're so judgmental. No, I just know what whistling in a mic sounds like. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, anyway, so I, I really enjoyed it. There were parts of it that I didn't like. Um, but overall, I thought it was a really funny episode. Um, I, I hated the B-plot, but I loved the way Rachel was. Mm-hmm. So, like, that that give and take there was... Worth it. Worth it, and the way that it ended made it okay. Like, she fucking burned the girls when she was like, oh, so it's okay for them to see my underwear as long as it's not on me? When she said that, I was like, oh my god, that Rachel was is so good. Such a good line. And and Maitland Ward in this episode was a good actress. Mm-hmm. She's so good at being fun and flirty and also like angry. Like, mm-hmm. she's good. Yeah. Um. Anyway... That's how I feel about this episode. Good. We're like in sync tonight. Yeah. yeah it's tearing up my heart. <laughs> um, but this has been the longest episode we've done in a long time. I hope that's okay. Congratulations, class. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a lot more that I wanted to say about the Kanye West stuff and the and the uh, the glorification of these awful people in media. But like, that's not what our podcast is about. And... I mean, Boy Meets World Fever did an entire episode on deconstruction. We can do whatever we want. It's our podcast. That's true. I mean, there was a point in that conversation where I was like, maybe we just keep going and make this the episode. But <laughs> no, we, we took notes already. <laughs> and it was it was a delightful episode to yeah. be able to rehash tonight. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but and anyway. now we can go watch Robin Hood. Now we can go watch Robin Hood. Or... I can play Horizon Forbidden West. Oh, you should do that. I might. Um, Because Elden Ring comes out in six days. Anyway, anything else you want to say, Tanya? Um, Just thanks for listening. Where can they find us? You can tweet at us on Twitter at BMG and BMW. You can email us at BMG and BMW at gmail.com. And you can join our Facebook group. Just type in Boy Meets Girl Meets Boy Meets World into the search bar and you'll get approved. And you can chat with us. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys for sticking with us. I, I hope you enjoyed the kind of divergence at the beginning. And in, uh, if not, I apologize. But overall, I think it was fun. Thank you for joining us. This has been Boy Meets Girl Meets Boy Meets World Season 7, Episode 5. Do good. Class dismissed. <laughs>